Good Monday morning, everyone. Signal to Noise here. Davis Michelson in for the vacationing Chip Flory, as always here on Signal to Noise. Pro Farmer Policy Analyst Jim Wiesmeyer. Jim, happy Monday, buddy. Very happy Monday. Over the weekend, I had my niece and her family in, and we uh, went down to D.C. in one of the most beautiful days of the year, and there were a lot of tourists, so that made me feel good and uh, saw the monuments, et cetera, and that always makes me feel even better. Sure. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, lots to get to today. Uh, Congress returns from a week-long break. We've got some RFS stuff to talk about. Uh, it feels like it's heating up a little bit in Russia. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Well, on the Russia thing, he uh, Putin, their leader, uh, huffed and puffed and, and mm-hmm. kind of signaled that uh, there could be additional action. He didn't specify if some of these longer-range missiles from the U.S. and U.K., by the way, find their uh, way into the battle, which they mm-hmm. will. Uh, and then the U.S. Uh, warned that uh, warned Russia is trying to steal grain from Ukraine uh, and sell it. Uh, so, and then you had uh, Russia bomb a major Ukrainian export terminal. So, and there's a big Wall Street Journal story this morning, Davis, saying uh, kind of all the hurdles involved in in getting the around 20 million tons of grain sitting there in Ukraine exported. So you're seeing, again, some more reassessments that the, while they could export some th- via alternative channels, the inefficiencies are major if it's not through their major port areas. Well, and and on, those, on the idea of Russia stealing Ukrainian grain and then selling it on the export market, didn't we see some pushback about two weeks ago from Egypt when a mysterious uh, cargo of wheat showed up and Egypt turned it away. Yeah, they flagged it. They flagged Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, absolutely. And increasingly so, it's getting to the very sensitive question, how far should the U.S. and Western allies go? Mm -hmm. Uh, You can talk both sides of that, but, uh, you know, for... Those people, uh, uh, long in the tooth, as we say, uh, Mm -hmm. you don't want to be too passive on, you don't want to appease uh, a, uh, I hate to call Putin a leader, a person like Putin, Mm -hmm. because they just go further and further. And you just have to look at Ukraine as far as what Putin has done to the country. It's looking more and more like what Russia did in Afghanistan, bomb. Mm -hmm. Uh, carpet bombing. And in Syria, he made it in like a desert. So uh, I think I know the sensitivities involved relative to uh, escalation, things like that. But sooner or later, I think the Western allies are going to have to have to have to call his uh, his card. Well, and meanwhile, I I don't want to get hung up on on this particular story, lots to get to. But you've got Belarus raising their hand saying you can export through our country. Yeah, Um, I, I don't. Belarus, with its humanitarian record and, you know, a known ally of of Putin's, that would be an interesting choice. I'm not sure what to make of that. Yeah, I wouldn't make too much of it because they're they're at the hip with uh, you know, Putin, and I don't think most people would 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 believe it. But it's a way of 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 kind of the 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 fog of war. That's part of the mm. fog of war, which would be 
uh, noise, you know, mm -hmm. and the clear signal is that is noise. So, yeah. yeah. So it, what I'm just saying, again, we have so many uncertainties relative to the Russia-Ukraine war, and this thing's going to drag on far longer than most people realize. Mm. All right. Well, let's move on um, to EPA's decision on um, renewable volume obligations. There were uh, several numbers put out there, and it feels like uh, EPA Administrator Michael Regan um, is is friendly the RFS now. Well, he's followed through, and I and I love that now because I don't like to see the credibility of any cabinet member go down, and also our mm -hmm. president. And uh, uh, you know, EPA is now trying to make 15 billion gallons of ethanol actually mean 15 right. billion gallons, and. Uh, you know, rather than follow the law, I think EPA followed the courts because they they were kind of directed of that. And, you know, when you looked at the responses from the ethanol promoted uh, groups, uh, they didn't not many, uh, you know, complained at all. And that'll tell you, you, you know, the answer to how they feel about Friday's announcement. So and the waivers are pretty much done for you know, for, as EPA does not see meeting uh, RFS requirements, causing the small refiners economic hardship. So, uh, you know, okay. the ethanol industry has not had many wins lately, but on yeah. these two, the, to me, they're major wins. And uh, so, you know, the, the 15 billion gallons is the highest mandated level for corn-based ethanol. And I think that's a very good you know, win and a signal for the future. Now, the focus is going to be, Davis, on what on the reset, what we call the reset. Uh, what happens to the RFS if from 2023 forward? Because Congress mm -hmm. looks like they're not going to tackle this thing for obvious reasons. They can't get sure. much done. So that's going to be up to the EPA, uh, the White House uh, Energy Department, and USDA. And we're going to know some of that in September with the proposed rule and hopefully a final rule by uh, the end of the uh, end of this year. And that's mm -hmm. going to be key because they're going to EPA is going to take into consideration far more in the future, the impact of uh, 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 electric vehicles. Electric vehicles uh, yeah. What about RINs for electric vehicles? So they've got some heady decisions coming up. Yes, uh, there was a specific mention of how uh, of RINs from producing power for EVs and how those might be handled. That's uh, that's kind of a mind bender for me. Yeah. Well, the bottom line, the signal that you get from that, Davis, is that they want to expand the universe for RINs because the mm -hmm. major argument of the small refiners and the uh, refining industry is the RINs. Now, I think a number of the big refiners use this as an excuse because they they didn't lock in their RINs, uh, you know, soon enough, and then the market got ahead of them. But mm. this is a way of kind of, uh, you know, it, it's almost like from a corn production where you just, you know, expand, you know, production by allowing more potential acres to come in. So I, I think that's clearly on the horizon here. That's a signal that I'm getting from uh, uh, EPA and also in the future, how they're going to deal with um, the renewable diesel relative to sustainable aviation fuel, because if there was any negative is that they, in order to get 15 billion gallons of corn-based ethanol, 
they jiggered a little bit for the bio-based biodiesel and advanced biofuels. Uh, so uh, that could be the signal that EPA is listening to some of the concerns relative to the oil, uh, soybean oil industry. Uh, you know, not only the current food price situation, but perhaps ahead as more and more companies such as Cargill and others either build new soybean oil processing plants or expand existing ones. So that's going to be another issue that we're going to see EPA uh, address in these coming uh, rules for the reset for 2023 and beyond. Now, quickly, in reference to the, the electric vehicle considerations, uh, being talked about for the 2023 renewable fuels standard, we've we've been a little bit critical. You and Chip and myself, even uh, and on AgriTech Radio, we've been a little critical of the administration for pushing too hard, too soon toward renewable energy, uh, saying that we're not quite ready. The infrastructure just isn't there quite yet. You're pushing too hard. Is including some of these factors in the 23 RFS laying some groundwork does that make us a little bit more comfortable that hey we're we're inching that way rather than sprinting that way well with chip gone on vacation i'll, I'll say that <laughs> okay i don't think he's ever going to be happy relative to the electric vehicles okay agreed you know chip yes uh myself uh yeah if there's a phase in for policy related maneuvers relative to electric vehicles, that's the right approach. And mm -hmm. and where the administration does have significant uh, criticism uh, directed at them, and I think for good reason, is that their transition was too quick. So you can't go from uh, uh, crude oil to uh, either hybrids or electric vehicles in a few years. It's just not that way. You mentioned the electric grid. Uh, you have to have the production, uh, confidence in production of the precious minerals, cadmium, nickel, uh, uh, other other minerals used in the production of, of batteries. The technology is getting better. Elon Musk is going after renewable batteries. And I think all that's in the future. So what I just said is it's going to be probably two decades before we get to some of the numbers that we've seen. But I don't care what anybody says on this one. The, the What we're going through right now relative to the still escalating gasoline prices mm -hmm. and diesel fuel prices and propane prices. I think the signal is there that more and more people are going to uh, go the bridge and get a hybrid uh, car and are take their stab at uh, electric vehicles in the next few years because they don't want part of this. Knowing full well the negative short term, because there's a story in the Wall Street Journal today that a person took a, a longer term trip in an electric vehicle and they said it took them more time to uh, to 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 in, uh, to charge up their batteries than it took them to make the trip. So uh, that's the fear that people have. That uh, uh, and and that's why you can't go too far uh, right now. Uh, but that's going to get better and better. So bottom line, uh, this industry is going to dramatically change over the next twenty years. Well, and uh, bipartisan energy talks. In the, uh, in the Senate, according to Joe Manchin, are apparently over. Um, does this set, set the Democrats on sort of a, a course for a Democrat-only deal 
via another budget rec reconciliation measure? Absolutely. Now, the majority of observers in Washington are saying they don't see uh, the Democratic Congress, because they control, in quotes, both the House and the Senate, uh, getting anything major done. I think that they're wrong because the Democrats know it's going to be a bloodbath for them in the November 8th elections, especially in the House. So they want one more bill, okay? Now, what I think some of the analysts, and this is where I'm going to be wrong if I'm wrong, I think where most of the analysts are not seeing this is that some features of Obamacare expire in January next year. Now, the Democrats, that's like a sacred ground to them, that, that topic. They want to extend, uh, they want to modify it to extend some of the expiring provisions. This is the way to do it through budget reconciliation. And by adding that to the social spending and green energy bill, that'll get them more votes than they normally may not have. And I think that's the secret. But we're going to have the time that the clock is, is, is ticking on this one. If they don't get it done by the end of July this year, uh, you know, everything, they're off the, the of most, if not all of August and even into the first week of September. So they've got a lot to chew through. But I think the will is there in the first in the Senate because the House will be able to pass it. And if Manchin signs off, and if uh, because there'll be some of the uh, principles that he wanted, uh, you know, budget deficit reduction, there'll be some taxes increase, not nearly as much as what some of the other Democrats want. And I think both Manchin and the other centri uh, centrist, uh, you, uh, you know, Cinema, Senator Cinema, uh, uh, Kirsten Cinema from Arizona, have probably already signed off on this. So I think it's going to be a go. Now, what does that mean for agriculture? It could be huge. Because if this passes, there's your signal to the industry that's already thinking this thing's going to go, apparently, in the soybean oil industry, that although it might be phased in, this $1.25 per gallon or so incentive or subsidy uh, for sustainable aviation fuel could be utilized by the airlines to service their carbon uh, you know, mitigation offset uh, for some of these uh, rules that's going to be embodied in this new legislation. And that will send the signal that we're going to have to have more soybean oil acres in the year, soybean acres in the years ahead. So it, it's a major thing to watch. I think it's my biggest thing other than elections, you know, coming up November 8th. This is the biggie for me that I'm going to focus on between now and, say, the end of July, Davis. We, we got a question in here on the uh, on the chat from Melody. And, Jim, you reported, was it last week, about a report out that said as much as two-thirds of the United States is at risk for some sort of power shortage yes. um, in, the, in the coming summer. Part of that is because of drought, declining water levels, problems with hydroelectricity. Yes. Other another component of that is perhaps a, a an accelerated move toward uh, renewable sources of energy, which maybe aren't quite ready to service the public the way that that some would like it to. I've got Melody here saying one regional catastrophic power outage will show the fallacy of EV or hybrids. Um, 
Yeah. I'm not quite but, sure on hybrids on that because, you mm -hmm. know, that's the combination. But it, uh, the, the, it will uh, um, cause more concern out there on EV. There's no question about it. But again, if you're going to take a long trip, I would just say rent a car, okay? Yeah. You know, rent a regular car. But I'll tell you, even that under today's environment, uh, I'm going to St. Louis next week, and mm -hmm. for a mid-sized car uh, through Hertz, it it was going to cost me six hundred dollars for about four days, five days, I think. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and through my points, I got it down to $400. So that's not, not going to cheap alternative. But your point, Melody, is I think initially correct. Uh, one regional catastrophic power outage that is going to happen. It's just going to happen. Uh, but how long does it take and things like that? But this goes back to our infrastructure reasoning mm -hmm. that we have to build up the electric grid and all that other stuff. We have to get the power charges out there. Uh, the fast power charges for the, uh, the battery, I should say, and the proliferation of them. And that's beginning. I, wherever I go, I'm seeing new, at least out here in the east. I mean, my my Harris Teeter has like 15, you know, uh, you know, charging stations in, in just one station, you know, and I'm seeing more and more EV cars, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, powering. Uh, them, you know, getting the charge, but, and it's much like the COVID testing, you're doing it at home now and mm -hmm. more and more homes are getting those fast chargers installed. But that again, drives the electric grid problems. That's mm -hmm. going to cause some initial problems, short-term pain, long-term gain. For those of us out here in flyover country, what is a Harris Teeter? Harris Teeter is it's a supermarket. I'm sorry. It's, okay. It's okay. a big, actually, it's a Kro Kroger owns it. Now, everybody knows Kroger. Okay. But it's yep. my favorite. Uh, it's a uh, elitist type supermarket. Oh, my. Okay. <laughs> that seems about right. That seems about right, Jim. <laughs> well, but there's it's the a very good supermarket because they got great staff, but they got a gas station attached you know, mm. to it. And I mean, it's a big one. And in fact, by by shopping at Harris Teeter supermarket, uh, usually I can get 30 cent reduction in gas prices. Oh, okay. Yep. So I like Harris Teeter. Yep, yep. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and um, Melody had another question on, yes. uh, and I we're researching it, Melody. She's noticed a reduction in the varieties of certain seed available this year. What's the status of acreage dedicated for seed production and availability in 2020? Three. Now, let me see if I've got an answer. I'll sip my uh, coffee casually while we wait. Yeah, I don't have an answer from some of my best uh, uh, seed company contacts, but let me just tell you how I would answer this if I was given that question during a speech um, that I'm giving uh, sometime this week in Idaho to a cotton merchandising group, I would say that normally issues like this, the seed companies would tell me no problem because of their fields also outside of this country, Melody, Puerto Rico, Mexico, uh, et cetera. And they do have their inventory, a stocking, if you will, of seed. But we'll double check that and come back with that next week. That's a good question. And I like when people look ahead. 
Well, on to Congress returning from a week-long break, rising gas and food prices, several hearings um, probably to focus on these topics throughout the week. However, there are some expecting the, the, uh, the next upcoming round of inflation numbers to show just a little bit of a softening, some even when food and fuel are considered. Uh, what is, what's your take on that? Inflation is the number one issue at the White House. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, they're 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 fo- they're laser focused on it now. And I think, yeah, we could see a little respite only, nothing nothing major. But again, I tell you, I went also over the weekend, not just to Harris Teeter, but to to who was it? Giant is another you know supermarket out here. I couldn't believe the number of shelves that were vacant with food. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to linger a while. While inflation may be tempered somewhat, it's not going to go down significantly between now and November 8th elections. But, but uh, yeah, they're, they're tra- trying to find out uh, an answer of this. There's very little they can do. Now, relative to gas, I think mm-hmm. you're seeing some announcements this week that the, U- the Biden administration is freeing up uh, at least uh, uh, signaling to Iran that they can expand some of their oil shipments to other countries. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know that Biden is going to go to Saudi Arabia. I think that was uh, a significant change in his uh, uh, thrust, his policy, because he didn't really want to initially. And that, I think, is why uh, Saudi Arabia uh, announced last Thursday that they're increasing uh, oil production. So we've yeah. got some respite there. Uh, offsetting that is it looks like China's Shanghai area is starting to free up relative mm-hmm. somewhat from their zero covid based policy and that's going to increase energy consumption uh, you know consumption so you have some offsets there bottom line inflation we should get some signals what friday i think it is i can't remember when the you know mm-hmm. cpi is out uh but that should show a little a little decrease in there whether or not that's sustained will have to be seen um a little bit of concern over what's going on in the in the tech industry right now some hiring freezes even some uh, job offers that have reportedly been rescinded. Uh, Walmart is expected to miss their earnings expectations. Is is this a time to panic, or are there other factors at play here that are impacting those two specific issues? I think that's the period of adjustment that companies like Walmart and others are are having to go through. Davis, this is the world of disorder. Right now, it's a new world order geopolitically that we're seeing as a result of Russia-Ukraine war and China's flexing its muscles on the economic side with the uh, tight labor market, although lessening to a degree with the labor participation rate getting a little bit better, not much. Uh, I think this is just the the continuation of the labor shocks that companies are going to have to, uh, you know, go through. Well, on another note, with uh, elections looming, obviously Congress wants to do something about inflation if they possibly can want to do something about gas prices. But uh, the recent round of, of awful, terrible gun-related tragedies in our nation, of course, have revived some talk about uh, gun legislation, about gun control and things. Is this an issue that maybe Democrats may seize upon 
as the uh, elections come up as as one of their sort of core values? What are we seeing here? Oh, they, they'll try. They'll try. Uh, the House this week, it looks like they'll pass some form of gun legislation, restricting legislation that will have a number of items that President Biden uh, said that he wanted in a major speech last week. But f- don't focus on the House. Uh, focus on the Senate this week. For the first time in many years, it looks like, led by Cronin, Senator Cronin, Republican from Texas, it looks like the Republicans have got the signal that they have to do something on this one. But it's mm-hmm. not going to be near uh, the breadth of gun uh, restrictions that Biden and the Democrats want. So I do think you're going to see something come out of the Senate, not this week. So whatever you see in the House, just it's not going to happen. But this this is front and center of a, a of an issue, and and even when they do that, it's once again we're going to have to learn that it won't stop in a dramatic way. Uh, you know the killings. It's just I think right. it's in the I think it's in the, not totally, but in the mental health uh, area. We have to get not a control. That's too strong of a word. We have to deal with that again, because I think we've gone dramatically backwards in the dealing with um, mental illness and related issues, such as what COVID has done to a number of uh, younger people of, mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, of making them feel very insecure, losing uh, their their ability to be with friends and things like I think that's all contributing to this the family relationship or the lack of one at home you know right. uh, it, it's it's coming to roost right now so and that's going again that's going to take years you do not change that overnight amplified earlier by our defund the police you know mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more consequences of that in California I mean go to uh, go to Minneapolis and see the tents on the streets there, mm-hmm. you know, Seattle. I had one conference that was uh, uh, rescheduled from Seattle because the, of the lack of security in the major areas in Seattle. This is all, I think, grouped together, you know, and but changes are going to have to be made to 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 bring back discipline and 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 authority in this country. Well, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the families and loved yeah. ones of those impacted by uh by by the gun violence that's so rampant right now um take us back to the primaries we got primaries held tuesday that's tomorrow in california iowa mississippi montana new jersey new mexico and south dakota and apparently uh excuse me apparently sarah palin yes is is coming back to run for that lone seat out in Alaska, what should we be watching for on these primaries? Oh, she's not a slam dunk. Now, Trump is supporting sure. former president. Trump is supporting her. So all those will be interesting. But of note on the Republican side, here's the key issue. We're going to see if, uh, if, if some of these candidates, if they're too far right, that's the typical problem Republicans have in years in which they're expected to gain a lot of seats they don't as much as they could have because of the primary challengers within their own party. So we're going to have to see the lay of the land after Tuesday, because this is a big number of states. We're going to have to see how many 
really far right candidates if they usurped some of the more centrist Republicans, because that'll go into predicting some of these races November the 8th, and especially mm-hmm. in the uh, in the House. And you saw Friday uh, in the se- uh, Senate Republican um, Senate primary in Pennsylvania, uh, Dr. Oz uh, won uh, the, his mm-hmm. challenger on the Republican side, even though it was a very close, a few hundred votes, I think. Uh, he acknowledged that even with any recount, uh, he, he just wouldn't win. And and uh, Dr. Oz is a, is a controversial candidate. And will mm-hmm. that increase the odds from very critical Pennsylvania state to, uh, you know, you know, don't, you know, go Democratic because that would be a pickup for the Democrats. So these things are important to watch out primarily from who is who are the party's candidates, because mm-hmm. uh, increasingly so. Uh, you can be primaried out because of if you're if you're deemed not far too not right enough or not liberal enough, they they get you out. And are you a viable candidate for the national election? So that's what is all embodied in these in these primaries, mm-hmm. of which there will be many on Tuesday. Gosh, if I'm being honest, I'd just as soon see both sides move a little closer to the middle and try to br- try to bring us all together on some well, issues. That's going to need a third party in my judgment. I keep on saying, I wish we would find a candidate that can can resurrect the, the centrist from both parties. Right. Yeah. Right. And I think the American public is so fed up right now that you talk about a signal that this town is going to get. It's coming November the 8th. Indeed. Uh, give me about 15 seconds what you're looking ahead to this week. Well, we have a WASDE report on uh, on Friday, right. yep. and that'll be key because ProFarmer is saying we're they're going to watch the corn yields on the June 10th report because, recall, in May, USDA cut its corn yield projection, not based on a survey, of course, by four bushels per acre from trend line due to planning delays. Well, now mm-hmm. with today's report at 3 o'clock watt, uh, uh, Central Time, we're going to see, I think the estimate is corn plantings will be right at that 94% area. So it's going to get closer and closer to uh, average. And will that prompt USDA to raise its its corn yield some? Although, uh, as ProFarmer pointed out, it has no precedent of doing so in June. Right. Uh, so uh, other points we're going to focus on, Davis, will be, uh, the Ag Department's second winter wheat production estimate and any adjustments in, in global usage estimates due to the war in Ukraine. So that's that's an important report coming up on Friday. Very good. Jim Wiesmeyer, thanks for your time this morning. I appreciate your insights. Have a great week, buddy. We'll see you. And viewers, thank you for tuning in. Chip will be back next week for Signal to Noise when he and pro-farmer policy analyst Jim Wiesmeyer will keep watching for the signals. Mm-hmm.